Good morning, church. How's everybody this morning? Aren't you glad you're not living north of Auckland? That is for sure. Who said north of Wellington? Who said that? <laughs> you know, what a great day it is for our church, and I really, I really don't want you to miss what's going on here. The commissioning of Tara is a watershed time for our church. Would you agree? As my understanding is that um, Tara is the first and only person that has been called specifically into a children and families ministry role as a paid pastor, called specifically into that role. And then not only that, but this team going to Thailand, um, that's something that is kind of just, um, it actually started uh, just after I arrived here, I met with Steve Hills, which was probably a bit of a mistake in one sense, because now look what's happened, but there was a very positive mistake. And as a result of that, we met with the missions team and, <clears throat> excuse me, met with the team and started talking about, well, you know, what, what, what's happening, what's God doing? And it was kind of, well, not, not a lot, lot at the moment. And I kind of said to them, well, why not? Why not? And as a result of that, we just started moving forward and started praying into this possibility of heading over to Thailand. So here we go. We're away tomorrow and we'll see what happens. And where's young Ethan? Where's young Ethan Ben? Do you realize, young fellow, that as of tomorrow, no, as of one minute past midnight tonight, you are my son. Is that okay, mum and dad? Yep, thumbs up. Yep, and my goodness me, my boys do everything I tell them to do. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Fantastic. You know, it just kind of reminded me during the week when I was preparing this message, these two events that have happened, so Tara's commissioning, the team going to Thailand, is um, uh, in spite of earthquakes that Christchurch has experienced, and Christine and I weren't here for those, thank you, Lord Jesus. We weren't here for that, but many of you were. In spite of earthquakes, in spite of COVID, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah for that. So encouraging. It is so encouraging that in spite of all of that, God's will will be done. Will be done. How are we all for time? Hmm. Actually, this week I was having dinner with someone from church here and we were just kind of catching up and went to a restaurant and just the two of us. It was a really nice night actually. Food was great too. And um, we were just talking about life in general, and my friend said to me, you know, Paul, I'm really quite concerned about just what's happening in, in, um, in New Zealand, in the nation of New Zealand, in terms of our values and being challenged, and particularly um, uh, if you're a Christian, and uh, how secularism is becoming, um, uh, secularism is kind of anti-God, and if you're in the church and that kind of thing, you're kind of pushed to the sidelines, you know, this, this stuff that's going on. And it's quite, it's quite deliberate. And I said, you know, I agree. But what an opportunity on the flip side. What an opportunity for us, for the church to be the church that God intended it to be. In the midst of all of that. A place of hope where it appears that there is, at the moment, little or no hope. The church can be. A place where we, people can come and share their burdens and lay them at the foot of the cross and know that they have been heard by God. 
and know that they can lay that stuff down and walk away and leave it to him. A church, the church is a place where there are new beginnings for people and fresh starts to their life, a place what the Bible calls redemption. God is a redeeming God. And that was kind of my, my res response back to all of this chaos that's going around us. And Jesus warned us that this kind of thing that we're seeing now will happen. He said in John 16, which is not what I'm going to preach on, but it's a good point. In this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart, because I, Jesus, have overcome all of that. Isn't that great news? It's wonderful news, church. Please, everyone stand up. Everyone stand. Turn to somebody and say, that's great news, then sit down. <laughs> Fantastic. So as far as I'm concerned, what is happening around us in our, si in our society is actually rather exciting, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, with all that in mind, turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse 10 and 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. You know, this, this morning's message is actually in two parts. The first part will form the scaffolding for the second and the main part of the message, which will hang on the first part. Part one will frame, frames the message, and the title is up there, or it should be up there, it was up there just before, um, the power of vision. So here's a question for you, church, and please don't respond because I have the right answer. What is vision? And this is my take on it. Vision is not seeing things as they are. Vision is seeing things as they will be. Did you hear that? It's not seeing things as they are right now, but as they will be. When God's involved, things can change. Our lives can change because of who He is. And I absolutely believe that having a vision, having a goal, having an objective to aim for is not only a God-inspired idea, but my contention is if we don't first have a personal vision for our lives when we come to faith. How will we ever understand, let alone be able to support the church's vision that we have as a corporate body? See, I, I, my contention is, if we don't know that individually in our own heart and our own life, how on earth can we do that corporately? We won't understand it. So let's read Ecclesiastes 9. Verse 10 and 11, let me explain this. This is the scaffolding part for the second part of this message. Here it is. And I'm reading from the NIV. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, let's stop right there. I've got some bad news for you. It's actually quite depressing. We are all going to die. <laughs> Not depressing with this person. Obviously a genuine Christian. Obviously. At some point, you know, when you're born and you live, especially when you're young, you don't think about at the other end that your time is going to come to an end, but church is going to. It's going to. 
Where we are going, it says, there is neither work, working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Uh, and Solomon then says, I have seen something else under the sun. Listen to this. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. And this is the important part. But time and chance happen to everybody. No one is exempt from time and chance. Let's pray. Father, I ask that this morning, as we look deep into your word, God, that we will understand that each one of us here today carries something incredibly special, something from the very hand and throne room of God. Your kingdom, Lord, is in us, and you have given each one of us something, something not to sit on, not to put on the shelf, not to lock away in the closet, but to bring it out and use it for your glory. Amen. So the context of chapter 9, because you know for me context is really important. Solomon here is contrasting the righteous with the unrighteous in chapter 9. <clears throat> in fact, in the NIV, he calls the unrighteous wicked. So the righteous with the wicked. He's contrasting the two. Um, but here's the thing, both the, the good and the bad, if you like, will eventually die. In fact, verse 3 says the same destiny overtakes everybody. But here's my point. While we're alive, we have this opportunity to choose to live a godly life, which is guaranteed to the righteous an eternal reward. When we live a godly life in Christ Jesus, we are guaranteed an eternal reward. Are you with me so far? Now, with that in mind, let's briefly unpack these verses. What is Solomon saying? He says, he begins with, whatever your hand finds to do. He's saying here, according to the gift or the gifts that God has given you, endowed each of us with. He's saying, do it with all your might. In other words, give it your best shot. Give it everything that you've got. Then he says, the race is not to the swift. You know, only a handful of people can do the 100 meters in under 10 seconds in church. I'm not one of them. Can anyone do the 100 in under 10? No. But here's his point. Just because you can't does not disqualify you from life. That's his point. In fact, when it came to running, I was into running in a big way when I was a lot younger. And, you know, half marathons and all that kind of stuff. And I was fit. What was it? Wasn't I incredibly fit, darling? Incredibly fit. And she fell in love with me and I gave up running. <laughs> what a good choice. Um, but, but I was a slow-paced person, but, but I could lock into a pace. You know, you want to see it? So this was my pace. I could lock into the same cadence and I could go for miles, just for miles. But not everyone can do that. I certainly couldn't do the 100 in under 10 seconds, that's for sure. And he goes on to say, or the battle to the strong. You know, being physically strong does not make victory certain. How many of you know this? It certainly helps, but physical prowess is not a guarantee of victory. You know, in the book of Judges, Gideon defeated an army of 133,000 with 300 soldiers in the power of God. 
So strength is not necessarily a guarantee of victory. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. The wise do not always earn a living, become wealthy, or obtain a great reputation. Solomon says those benefits too are also not guaranteed. But here's what is guaranteed. Time and chance happen to everybody. That word chance in the Hebrew is also interpreted as opportunity. So let's read it again. But time and opportunity happens to everybody. No one is exempt. Now it's true. Not everyone is born to run fast. Not all are strong, wise, wealthy, or brilliant. We are all endowed with a certain personality, gifts and abilities that in one sense, in fact, a very real sense, Brenda, are preordained. And in that sense, church, we have no say-so. We can't control in the sense that I don't want the personality I've got, I want someone else's personality. It doesn't work like that. Those things are preordained. But in this life, this side of eternity, church, opportunities do come our way. Every one of us gets opportunities. It happens to us all. So, and this is the point. God presents every one of us with opportunities which we can either say yes to or no to. Here's my point. When it comes to opportunity, we do have some say-so. We can choose to run with it or not run with it. Hold that thought. The same principle is operating in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. This is where after the flood, they, Noah comes out of the ark and all the, the people that were there and all the animals, and God promises to Noah and by association, by implication, all of humanity. He promises this. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God singles out four natural laws that operate in our world. Now, of those four laws, cold and heat. Cold and heat is an integral part of just living our life, isn't it? We can manipulate it. If I'm cold, I can put on an extra layer of clothes or I can switch on the heater or the heat pump. We can manipulate it. We can um, uh, uh, do, do those kinds. If I'm, if I'm hot, I can put the air conditioner on and get cold. But those things operate as a natural law in our world. Would you agree? Cold and heat. Currently, We're currently enjoying summer season, unless you're north of Auckland. But winter season, church, got to tell you, it's coming like a freight train, it's just around the corner. It's daytime now, and in a few hours, it will be dark. You cannot stop that from happening. We don't have the ability to stop these natural laws operating. They are set. But seed time and harvest, you know what that actually says? That's seed time, sowing, harvest is reaping. 
but sowing and reaping, we do have some say-so over that. Yeah? We do have some control over that. We do have the ability to determine the outcome. Galatians 6-7 should come up on the screen. Should come up on the screen. It should come up on the screen. Anyway, it says this. For whatever a person sows, whatever we choose to sow, that means. That's what you're going to reap. Let's sum it up. God is clear. There are natural laws that govern our existence on earth that we cannot change. Did you get that? But God also provides us with opportunities which we can choose to take them or leave them. We can say yes or we can say no. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, hold that thought. Part two. Part two. Two Sundays ago, I think, Anna preached a message to remind us of the four focus areas that comprise this church's vision for 2023. Do you remember that? Four areas. I'm not going to get you to rattle them off because some of you might have forgotten them. And the other thing is, if you did know them, I haven't got any crunchies to give you. Anna used them all up. So here are the, here are the four focus areas. They should come up on the screen. They should come up. Yeah. The first one is, use our God-given gift. This is the vision of this church from the elders for 2023. To use our God-given gifts, that means to build up the whole body of Christ. Romans 12, in other words. The second one is about the Holy Spirit, to continue to catch and flow with the wind of the Spirit. Are you on board with that, church? To catch what God is doing in any moment in time in this service, even right now, and not to hold God at arm's length, but to flow with what God is wanting to do. To tap into the wind of the Spirit, sense what God's all about, and run with that. And that's number two. Number three, to be equipped to go out and share the gospel, which is kind of a little bit what the team are going to Thailand for, but that's also locally, very much so. And number four, 2003 will be a year when we are encouraged, and I love this one, to consistently pray for our loved ones. So those are the four areas. Now, if you want to hear that message, um, go on YouTube, uh, 29th of January, uh, 2023, and you'll hear Anna preach a wonderful message all about that. Now, here's the point. St. Albans Baptist Church, this church has a vision for 2023. Isn't that wonderful? We have elders that actually know what they're doing, and that's a compliment. Isn't it, Kim? <laughs> we have elders, a wonderful bunch of elders here. They're focused, and Robert's away. How many weeks has Robert been away? Three weeks. We need to talk to him about that. He should be here more. But anyway, that's okay. Um, but he's on holiday. He's, he's refreshing. He's filling up again, and good for him. But we have a wonderful bunch of elders, and they've got a vision for the life of our church, and, and they, they, they invited me along to that particular meeting because I'm interim here, so it's not my job to set vision, although I could, believe me, but never mind. Move on. And it was wonderful to be there with them, and I said, you know, you guys are really honored, you guys and girls are really onto it. It was a wonderful time. And support, I totally support um, what they came up with. But I said earlier, and this is my contention, for our corporate vision to be, and this is important, fully 
realized. Not just casually realized, but to be fully realized, our corporate vision. We all, each one of us, each individual in this room, must have a personal God-inspired, God-given vision for our life as well. Why is that? Well, my belief is, if you don't know what God has put you as an individual here on earth to do, how on earth are you going to know how to follow a corporate vision? If you can't follow the vision God's given you individually, how are you going to do it corporately? You won't understand it. So a vision for your life, which is the point of this message this morning, is incredibly important. Having a goal, a specific goal, a dream, a desire to aim for. And there's a reason for that, church. If you don't have a vision, you know, when life gets tough, because it does, doesn't it? We have our ups and downs. We have those moments where we think, God, what's going on here? I never asked for this. I didn't want that. But it comes your way anyway. We all have those moments. When life gets hard, vision helps us to stay on course. It's how it helps us to focus. Vision gives you life purpose. It gives it meaning. Vision generates passion. Because when God has given you something and someone comes along to try to take that from you, you're not giving it up, are you? You're not going to. It just, just this passion rises up in each one of us because God has handed me something literally from the throne room of grace. And I tell you what, Carl, no one's taking it. Nobody. It gives you passion to stay the course. And if you stick with your vision, with your dream, with your goal, vision then guarantees you this reward, quote unquote. It guarantees reward, reward from God. That's one side of vision. The flip side of vision is this, and it comes up on the screen. But where there is no vision, the people perish. The people perish. Another version says, where there is no vision, people cast off all restraint. That word perish in the Hebrew, how do we look? is the Hebrew word pronounced pora, P-A-W-R-A-H, pronounced pora. You know what it means? The word perish in the Hebrew, to set to naught, to set to nothing. In other words, life lived without a vision will ultimately achieve for you nothing. Wow. Someone out there? Wow. There's a thought. They're really quite over this side of the auditorium. Life lived without a vision, all the people in this group here, will ultimately lead you to nothing. I'm just preaching the Bible. That's what God's Word says. Isn't that a powerful thought? Isn't that a scary thought? 
Church, we all need a vision. We all need something of value to aim for. It's the reason why God put us here. And what God has for you and what God has for me is infinitely more rewarding than anything the world can offer. So two quick and final points before I invite the music team up. Two very quick and final points. Number one. Your vision can either be short-term or long-term. Let me illustrate that point. My mum and dad were wonderful parents. They've since passed. You know, growing up, no matter what life challenges came at us as a family, I always knew that I was loved, accepted, I was secure, I was their number one son, or their only son, actually. Um, so I was the, and, and, and I was in a safe environment. But because of my parents' own life script, my dad lost both his parents by the time he was 13. So that's, that's a huge, and he had five sisters to, to boot, to look after, and it was, this is another story. But because of his own life script, they weren't great at investing for the future, so I never had the privilege of living in the family home. I mean, we lived in houses, didn't live in a tent. We lived in the family, in, 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 in homes, but never the family home that they owned. In fact, the very first home they bought, and the only one they bought, I'd already left home. So I never had the privilege of being in part of the family home. And I remember for Christine and I, that was always a big deal to me. Chris, Chris hadn't had the same experience, and she couldn't kind of understand why I felt that way, but that's just the way it was. I always wanted to have that, to have that experience. Then I decided in my early 20s that my children are not going to have the same experience. I made that decision. And that decision birthed in me a vision and a goal, something to aim for. I said to myself, when, when, I've, when I've got enough deposit, I am going to buy my own home. Someone with me here? You understand this? And Christine and I got married. We managed to buy our first home approximately four years later. Listen to this. How much do you think we paid? This house we bought, by the way, was an ex-state house, but it was in, in Rickerton, ex-state house, but it had been completely renovated by the young couple that were in it. We didn't have to do a thing to it. It had this huge 20 by 30 garage, which was just great for me, and it was just a lovely home. It, 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 was, it was an ex-state house. It wasn't, wasn't this you know, 10, 10 story kind of building, but it was our home. How much do you think it cost? Okay, let's start. How much? 40? 20? 65? Getting close. $78,000 we paid for that house back, back in the day. But listen to this. Do you know how much the interest rates were at that time? 13%. And they're whinging and moaning at it being 65 at the moment. Well, I, I, I don't blame them either, by the way. 13%, and I remember, remember this, darling, we scraped in by the skin of our teeth. We bought our first home, and for me, you know, this was a big deal. 
Um, 13% and, and, and things were tight for the first five years financially. Things were really tight. We were having babies as well. Chris was a stay-at-home mum. That was a decision we had made. Don't regret it for one second, but she wasn't out working or anything like that, so it was kind of up to me. And for the first five years, it was pretty tough going, but we did it. It was a short-term goal, and it took about 10 years to realize it. But if you had been here a few weeks ago and heard Tara's testimony, Tara, who was up there this morning, our new children and families pastor, if you had, go, go, on, go on YouTube and listen to it, a wonderful message. If you had heard her story, and I'm not going into much detail, but I do have her permission to say this, when she was a young girl, she had this call on her life that God, in fact, Dad, you mentioned it, Greg, you mentioned it this morning, she had a call on her life just as a young woman, and she, if she actually believed that God, or she had a desire, sorry, to be a missionary. But that didn't, she tested it all out, but it, that wasn't for her. And she shared in her message a few weeks ago, do you remember this? That last year, 2022, was a real challenge for her. Because she was saying, God, when? Okay, come on, God. You know, I'm, I'm not seven years old anymore. I'm a young woman now, and, and I'm, When? When is this going to happen? Well, you know, God's timing was today. That's long term. And she stayed the course. And God was faithful to her faithfulness. Isn't that wonderful? So your vision could be short term. It could be medium term, say, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It can be long term. But if God has planted a vision in your spirit, if, he's, if it's and you know it's from God, stay the course. You will not be disappointed. Royd, second chance, you'll not be disappointed. That's what God does. God's a God of the second chance, the third chance sometimes. I've made a few mistakes, but look what God has done. Isn't he good? Isn't he faithful? And the second point very quickly. Not only uh, is vision uh, short term or long term before it's realized, maybe medium term, God often downloads his vision to us in stages. It comes incrementally. Let me give you another illustration. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The team going to Thailand. As I said, um, when I first arrived here, um, Steve and I, we had lunch together. I talked because he's on the missions team. He's heading up the team. We, um, we went to lunch and we just chatted. Remember the Steve? We had a great time together, caught up and just kind of reconnected again. Started talking about mission, overseas mission, that is, in, in St. Albans Baptist Church. And, um, and as a result of that conversation, Steve said, oh, why don't you come along to the next missions team meeting at Jeanette's place, uh, which I went along to. And we had this wonderful bunch of people, started talking about, you know, this is what we've done in the past, and, um, but we've got COVID now, and all of those kinds of things. And I said to them, essentially, or something along the lines of, um, do we have a vision for going back out again? Because Andrew and Jan Bovey, who the church have supported for, I think, 32 years in overseas mission, it's 30 plus anyway, they're coming back here in... March, April, this year. They're retiring. They're coming back to New Zealand. So that season with them has actually come to an end. But it doesn't have to come to an end for us as a church. 
we still need to be looking, in our opinion, of what are we going to do somewhere outside of the life of our church, which is beyond the local community. We're doing some wonderful stuff in the local scene, but the Bible talks about um, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. It's part of the Great Commission. So we started talking about that, didn't we, Steve, that night? And somewhere along the line, some genius in the group said, why don't we um, see if Pond needs any help over in Thailand? That's how it started. It was just kind of just a casual comment. But it sowed something into the hearts of the people in that group that night. And as a result of that, well, you saw the result. This team are going out tomorrow. And I have the privilege of being Ethan's dad for two weeks. Lucky you, Ethan. <laughs> Gee, mate, I tell you. Have you got plenty of money? Because <laughs> I tell you, mate, I, I'm relying on you. <laughs> anyway, and, and, and that's how it started. But here's my point. We had a starting point. We were going to go over connect with Pon, and Jeanette did all the kind of um, the, 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 the communication with her and said, she, yeah, I'd love you to come over, and all this is going on. We know we're going, but listen, we have no idea at this point in time what we're going to commit to. Not a clue. But we will have when we get back. Because we're going believing that God is going to download part two, phase two, stage two of our obedience. We believe that with all our heart, do we not, Steve? We absolutely do. That God is going to show us while we're over there. This is what I've called you here for. Sometimes with God, it will come incrementally. And, 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 and we absolutely believe that that's going to happen over there towards the end of the trip. Uh, we will um, uh, we'll gather everyone together when we get back to Bangkok and we'll find a place to sit down, probably Starbucks, uh, and everyone goes, Yay. Probably, and we'll sit down and we will go around. Steve will lead the team around, the, around, uh, around everyone in the team and say, Ethan, what has God been saying to you? Paul, what has God been saying to you? And we'll go around, around the whole team, not interrupting them, not manipulating what they're saying, just listening to the Spirit of God speaking to each and every one. Here's what I, I believe will happen. There will be a consistent vision right across the board that will come. I don't know what it's going to be. I have absolutely no idea. But I believe God will show us. See, with God, sometimes vision comes incrementally. So don't panic when God gives you a desire, something on your heart. He gives you something and you, or oh, I, 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 I can't see the end of it. I don't know where I'm going or, or why I'm going or where, where I am going to. Don't panic about that. You know, it may well be, it may well be that in that process, God is teaching you something about trusting him. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he's wanting to teach you something about his timing as opposed to your timing. So don't stress it. Don't panic. Just trust God if he's given something into your spirit, if it's given you a vision for your life, if it was from him, it will come to pass in his time. Can I have the music team up, please, Amy? So Solomon said this, but time, everyone has time on this earth. 
set by God. He knows the days of our, uh, of the days that we will be here, how long we're going to be here for. He's in control of that. Everyone gets some time. And opportunity or opportunities comes to everybody. Now, with time, we can make time, church. We can waste time and we can lose time. But when it comes to opportunity, and I'm talking here about God-given opportunities, when it comes to that, we have an enemy. His name is Satan, who will do all he can to rob you of God's opportunity for your life. Someone say amen. He will do all in his power to do so. He will rob you. He will sideline you. He will do everything possible to make sure that that God-inspired vision does not come to pass. You know how I know that? I just go back to the word. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to rob you. Then Jesus says these words, but I, Jesus, have come to give you life and life to the full. Isn't that a wonderful promise? So you know, church, from that perspective, the enemy will try to steal and rob, but God wants to give you life and life to the max. As I was preparing this message, the second week of my holiday, by the way, I was out doing my walk. I think there are four groups of people here this morning. Let me rattle them off. I think there's some of you here who have a God vision for your life. But for reasons only you know, you've put it on the shelf, locked it away in the closet. That'll be one group. Second group, there's others here who have had a God-given vision. But life just crowds in and now it's kind of a distant memory. It's back there somewhere. It's, a, it's in the shadows, if you like. There is others here still who believe the lie that because of your past, God would never use you and he's passed you by. You've believed that lie. I want to say that one again. There are some people here who've had a vision for their life and you knew it was from God. But the enemy kept reminding you of your past. So you now believe the lie that you're not good enough and that God's passed you by. That's the lie. And there are still others who don't know what God's vision for their life is. Well, here's the thing. You can decide this morning to push the reset button over today to embrace a whole new future. See, God is a redeeming God. There is nothing that God cannot redeem and restore. Are you laughing at me, Alex? <laughs> I, I was going to share a story. <laughs> yes. 
I was going to share a story that you told me when we were up at your house the other day, but I'll keep it to myself, but it's all right. I don't have the green light from you. Shall I share it? <laughs> no, I won't. Actually, let, let, yeah, I've got a couple of minutes. We, we, Alex and I were chatting about, um, about vision, about that kind of thing. Um, and the other, the other point with vision, which I haven't kind of articulated, but it's also there, when you, when, when you are pursuing a God-given vision, it would also, it, it's also, you've got to make some sacrifices. There is also sacrifice involved. And uh, Alex was just sharing, he said, you know, when, uh, when Ruth and I uh, were married, we bought, bought our first home, and they had this vision, I think this is right, Alex, to pay it off as quickly as possible. And, um, and we were talking about sacrifice, and he said, you know, Ruth and I, the only kind of um, uh, enjoyment, apart from each other, that we had at, at the end of the week was a Saturday afternoon going to the dairy and getting a raspberry bun. A Chelsea bun, that's right. That was it. Because they had this vision that they wanted to pay their mortgage off as quickly as possible. So clearly, that's where they put all their resource, and the rest is history. So sometimes, church, you've got to make some sacrifices it doesn't necessarily just fall into your lap. I wish, but then if it fell into your lap, would be no need for God, wouldn't it? I want to do something that probably haven't done here. Perhaps we could just have some melody in the background quietly, please. Can we go over time for five minutes? Stay with me. Five minutes. Thank you, church. Those four groups of people that, that, I, that I just shared about, I believe God showed me that while I was out doing one of my walks. I can't change your circumstances. Um, I can't even um, guarantee you um, the opportunity that maybe you've lost will, will come back into you. I can't guarantee that, but God can. So please don't be looking at me. I want you to look to him. He's the one that can restore. And often for that kind of thing to happen, we actually need to come to the altar, cross a line in the sand, leave it behind, and walk into a new future. Sometimes you've got to do that. God's word never lies. God is always faithful to his word. We're not necessarily faithful but he is always faithful. So if you're in one of those categories I talked about, you've had a vision, but it's perhaps put on the shelf or whatever the reasons are, today could be, push the reset button, could be a fresh start for you. Or maybe you've just never had a vision for your life at all. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to give you one. Just ask God. God is the giver of good gifts to his children. He delights to give us good gifts. It may well be that because of fear, you don't want to step into the vision God has given you. And maybe. Let me tell you something about fear, church. Fear is the enemy of faith. What did Matthew Cuthbert preach about last week? Faith. Faith. 
we all have a measure of faith. I'm just suggesting this morning that you use what God's already given you and let him add to it. Please stand to your feet. We are going to sing a song and I want to offer opportunity for you to come down and be prayed for. Miriam, could you make sure that we've got a, the team here? Actually, um, Greg and Joy and Kim and Christine, if um, would you be available to pray for people because you, in your roles you carry something? Come down, you four, please. With, with the, with the, we've, got, we've got other people here as well. Just be available in the front. People come down for prayer. Allow the prayer team to pray into your life and over your life. Sometimes, church, we just have to allow God to push the reset button and then step in to what he's got for you. Does that make sense? So don't hold back. If you're afraid to come down the front, and that's okay, that is fine by me. For everyone else too, that, if, if that's not your thing, that's, that's fine. But can I encourage you, ask someone near to you to pray for you. Ask them to pray for you. At the very least, don't walk away from here without being prayed for. Make sense? So we're going to be led in the song as the song is playing. If you want prayer, please just come down the front quietly. They won't be too loud, will we, Amy? Thank you, Amy. And we'll gather around and start praying for people. Okay, God bless, church. Have a wonderful day.